the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Serving the business of defence. With Grant McHeron. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This episode, I'll be chatting with Mark Fortunio, Chief Financial Officer at With You With Me, regarding small to medium businesses engaging with defence and skilling the workforce. G'day, Mark. How are you doing? G'day, Grant. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here this morning. Fantastic. Well, mate, let's get stuck in with the uh, the classic original question, which is the one we like to ask a lot of people who maybe it's their first time on the show, maybe they're not that uh, well known to everyone in the defence industry here in Australia. So can you give us an overview of your career and a summary of With You, With Me's history and operations so far? Sure thing, Grant. As you can tell from my accent, uh, I'm not your typical Aussie. I came to Australia 15 years ago with a small company called KPMG. Uh, they sent me across <laughs> to this part of the world to do international tax. And little did I know that my career would progress from there in a very interesting fashion. I decided to, to leave the firm and, and join an organization that was doing facility services uh, in with schools. And, and that ended up being uh, one of those critical moments in career for, for an accountant. Uh, that particular organization ended up being the largest privately held company in its segment. We grew across mining, uh, we grew across aged care, hospitals, and finally we grew into defense itself. One of our keys to success was working very closely with veterans throughout that period of time which proved to be a very strong success point in particular in, uh, in the mining industry. Uh, a lot of the veterans that came back from the Iraq conflict turned out to be re really good in logistics and understood the, the, the mining sector quite naturally. And, and it gave us that, that linchpin to grow the organization. We, um, we took that business, needless to say, from 200 employees to nearly 2,000 over the span of five years which was a necessity for us to, to grow big and eventually get into defense. It took me seven years to break into defense on my own accord, but eventually I got there. Uh, the fortune that I had at that stage in my career was to work with veterans who taught me the language of defense, which is a prerequisite. Of course, when you understand the language of defense, you're 80% of the way there to, to start winning work. We developed uh, software uh, for the defense industry that proved to be quite valuable, uh, reduced costs for defense, and also improved efficiencies for their supply chain across all their bases across Australia. So quite an exciting period of time going from an accounting firm through growing a business underground in Australia and being part of, of an ever-evolving sector, which is the in, uh, defense industry. That was a decade of my career. Then I got introduced to to uh, with you with me at a later stage. And uh, I was presented with an incredible opportunity to join the organization as a chief financial officer 18 months ago. The compelling aspect of the organization for me was the unbelievable value that the organization brings both to the individual and to defense. Being a CFO in prior roles, I realized how difficult it is to get talent good talent and talent that actually understands the industry in which you are in. And with you, with me, it was probably the organization that did this the best. And I thought it was an unbelievable value proposition for us to, 
to jump into that sector, both for the, from the individual perspective and the organizational perspective. I thought defense and industry would gain tremendous value by following the potential value proposition, as well as individuals that just came out of, of defense and tried to find opportunities for themselves in the business world. Uh, 18 months later, uh, with you with me as gone and scaled across three continents, four of the five eyes are now part of our business. We have business in the UK, the US, Canada, and Australia. We have a business that's gone from 12 million in annual turnover to 35 and growing a profitable business across those, those jurisdictions, which needless to say, having spent seven years previously to grow into defense in Australia, it was quite impressive to achieve that outcome across um, uh, the region and seeing the, the success formula apply itself across the Western world. I think the, the most interesting aspect of being part of With You, With Me from previous lives is instead of meeting a need or fulfilling a need that industry or defense has, uh, this time we're actually creating something new, something that people haven't used before. And the rate of adoption of it is quite impressive. So it's been a, a really, really interesting 18 months. We've learned tremendously. And I would say that we are building the organization as, as we're going and developing value propositions that are incrementally being appreciated by both defense and industry. Are you able to say what that something new is, um, the, the value? What, what is the value that you're bringing that everyone's jumping on? If I were to sum it up, I'd say it's, it's potential over experience. People come with skills, aptitudes, and those are the most important things that make an individual successful in whatever they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives. And a lot of people in defense especially veterans coming from overseas, uh, sometimes struggle to sell and, and follow the, the traditional pathway of employment. Uh, yet they have unbelievable skills, in particular problem-solving skills that are extremely valuable for organizations that have been embedded, but they're naturally adept in those areas that organizations absolutely need talent in. And I think if we were to change the way people look at employment and think a little bit outside the box and hire on potential as opposed to hiring based on experience, the value of the candidates that the organizations end up getting are far, far superior to what the traditional point of view was in those areas. So you're supplying um, people to work on specific projects, things like that. So are you part of um, the major service provider model? Do you work with some of the MSPs or do you work direct of defense to supply people? We do both. So, so we work uh, directly with defense across the jurisdictions I mentioned before, but we also work with primes and enable primes to deliver specific innovative solutions to defense. And needless to say, hiring based on potential is a value proposition that doesn't only serve defense, it also serves large organizations. So when they're trying to provide a solution that's outside of the box, our solution is, is favored over others. Because uh, defense is moving more towards engagement, pretty much solely with the primes, a prime to rule them all type of thing, consortiums, as we see with some of the MSP models. So what do you think SMEs can do to improve their um, involvement with defense and how they engage? Yeah, that's a really good question, Grant. And my career has, has led itself to work very closely with primes. 
throughout the period. I worked with large organizations, including BAE, Brookfield, Lockheed Martin, in delivering solutions to defense. I think the key in working with primes is to not compete directly with primes and offer solutions in areas where they traditionally struggle in finding innovations and, and, and solutions to their problems. If I were to give an example of that, I'd, I'd probably say recruiting talent that has a specific skill set in cybersecurity. For the people that are involved in that particular industry, it's very important to think outside the box uh, in cybersecurity. Uh, typically, teams get built by hiring people from different walks of life. And it's, it's, it's not the traditional education model or academic model that will fulfill the needs for those sectors. So we do supply that type of talent and enable primes to deliver ultimately to, uh, to defense. Well, let's flip that around the other way then. Uh, how would you say defense can best engage with FSMEs um, so that they can have faster acquisition cycles and foster innovation? Should, it, should they go through the primes? Can they go direct to the SMEs? Is that perhaps a, a better model in some areas? I think, well, defense do engage directly with SMEs. Uh, there are opportunities and there are forums available for SMEs to engage directly with defense. And I think it is important to, to engage at that level and, and use those opportunities to actually understand the language of defense and to understand how defense works. It ultimately becomes critical, even if you work through a prime, to un- understand the mechanisms, the tempo, and the relationships that you need to have at within defense to, to offer a solution that fits their requirements or meets their deliverables. Um, there's there's um, a, a mint of value uh, in, in the reports that defense issues. All their goals, objectives are, are reported publicly, and it is important to target those when you're offering a solution or responding to a specific tender. Uh, what we found is Defense has taken us with open arms across most of the Five Eye countries. It has been a little bit more challenging, uh, we find, in Australia for various reasons. For example, the UK has been embracing, defense in the UK has been embracing working with industry for a very long period of time. As a matter of fact, defense built its very own cyber unit back during the L- London Olympics. Australia is still catching up to those times. Now with the changes in, in, in the geopolitical world, now Australia has to move and, and start engaging a lot better with industry if it wants to meet the challenges that are imminent and are emerging as the, the geopolitical tectonic plates shift. We find that in the last two years, Australia has been far more receptive to solutions and ideas coming from the, the small business world. And we are far less pushed to work directly with a prime in order to engage with defense. So we're seeing evolution. In the past, it was difficult. I'd say as a summary, you needed to have a very large balance sheet to engage with defense in Australia in the past. But we are seeing that change very rapidly as defense starts to realize that they need industry to assist them with certain innovative solutions that are going to be required uh, in the future. That does seem to be um, aligned with Defence's recognition of the need for a sovereign defence industry and sovereign industry in general. Mm. So um, what do you think can be done to increase Australia's sovereign defence industry? Well, I think a lot of what needs to happen has started to occur in the last five years, I'd say. Uh, The public has seen uh, overtly a change in language from the politicians and political parties in the last two years. 
uh, as a response to, you know, a significant change in geopolitical realities. Uh, but we have seen quite a bit of evolution in the last five years. And with you, with me, has been working directly and engaged directly with defense in Australia for now six years. So that's that's something that I think is is a signal that times are changing. Ten years ago, in a previous life, it would have been virtually impossible for an emerging or a startup company to even be engaged directly with defense because of the perceived risk of engaging an organization with a small balance sheet. So I think the solution to build Australia's sovereign defense industry is to continue in that line to keep engaging with industry, but also for defense to engage with other countries, which is occurring far more than, than it did in the past. For example, we had uh, Sally Walker, who's the head of GCHQ. She was responsible for building the cyber unit in the UK. Uh, she's part of our advisory board. She came to Australia two weeks ago to talk directly to defense, to the ministers, and offer up solutions to meet the requirements or the challenges that are coming in the near future. So I think a lot of this is is happening. I think more needs to be done, of course, in, in my opinion. Budgets are very, very tight as it stands now. Australia has always been very close to the Western world, for lack of a better term, and all, always relied in the past on the bigger brothers, particularly the, the U.S., for, for meeting the the, the, the geopolitical challenges that are that are emerging. That reality, I think, is starting to change where the new tone is that Australia has to uh, pull its own weight and there's probably going to be a requirement for, for budgets to be increased in the future to meet those requirements. And we are seeing those. Uh, there's There's been quite a bit of discussion uh, or, or releases in, in the Australian F Financial Review about uh, significant budgets being put aside for building Australia's cyber unit. You know, we're, we're talking about 2,000 employees being added to this. This is a big change for, for what was in the past a, a very limited amount of funding for, for those areas. So I think if we were to sum it up, more engagement with industry, it's going in that direction. More engagement across the five I countries, we're seeing a lot of that occur and increased budgets. I think that's probably... Uh, the, the, the three uh, key rocks that, that Australia has to overcome to meet its requirements in this area. We've spoken about primes, we've spoken about SMEs, but there's a perception out there that there's a relative lack of medium-sized Australian defence companies when compared to you know, South Korea, UK, US, etc. Uh, so in your opinion, well, do you concur with this view? And if so, what's your views on why there might be this lack of medium-sized Australian defence companies? I think that's a really interesting one for Australia. Firstly, I think the procurement policies that have been in place for, for an extended period of time have provided an environment where it's, it's very difficult to meet the requirements that Defence has to participate in important tenders. The second challenge, I think, as well is I made reference earlier about understanding the language of Defence. Defence and government are, are different worlds. They operate under different tempos. They have different objectives. But most importantly, there's, there's a different language that is applied within defense and government and industry. And it's not obvious to understand that when you're not in that world. When you're coming from the outside and, and you're trying to build an organization and offer your services, you're selling this in a certain way that you're only familiar with. And if you don't have the opportunity of learning the language of defense, you're just not going to get in there. 
you're, you're going to be blocked. I think the last one that is really important is the defense primes as a requisite to play into certain tenders. That again, I think is is very often seen as a challenge. It's not mm-hmm. it's not obvious for a smaller company to partner with a very very large organizations. There's there's congruence issues, challenges. There's financial challenges that come in play, and also to some degree a certain language differential between the two types of organizations. And I think if you were to put those three factors together, one is balance sheet, cash flow requirements, speaking the language of defense, and then working with Prime as a requisite to enter into that sector, then it, it kind of makes sense today that there's not too many medium-sized organizations in defense. The positive is that there's a lot of emerging organizations starting to approach defense. And I think that's going to look very favorably for us in the next five to 10 years as defense starts to change the way it engages with industry and offers the opportunities to companies that have solutions that are innovative, uh, but don't necessarily meet initially the requirements of having a large balance sheet. And those are other areas that I spoke of. Yeah. So it does, there is a gulf, but maybe that chasm between primes and SMEs is is slowly filling in, yeah? I think it is. Um, it, things take time. I mean, not not every SME succeeds at what they're doing. So there, there is, you need to have the appetite for failure when you're starting a company from scratch. That's just part of the game. And I think if we were to look at it as we're starting today, something that is aimed towards building a real connection between industry and defense, maybe over the next five to 10 years, there'll be a better integration that will reflect in Australia as well as it reflects overseas. So I I think the required steps are taken now. I still think more needs to be done to invite industry to participate in defense. I don't think it's obvious to know what the requirements or the needs are within defense without being in that world to start with. So there's a lot of SMEs that have solutions, but they're just not there. They're not invited. Well, let's change tack a little and come back to with you with me. Sure. And um, how do you help your clients, defense and others, source and retain talent? We're big believers in hiring based on potential as opposed to hiring based on experience. And I think that's critical for two aspects. Firstly, if you hire people based on potential, it opens up the innovative aspect of your workforce, which gives you a successful workforce. A successful workforce has a better retention standard attached to it. Secondly, if you're hiring on potential, you provide a workforce that is highly, highly adept to your specific requirements as an organization. And what I, what I mean by this is very often there's areas that defense is building that there's currently not the talent. So if you're going to hire on experience, that talent does not exist. Cybersecurity is a prime example of this. It is absolutely critical if you want to meet the requirements of those areas that you hire based on potential as opposed to on experience. They've done a lot of research on those areas, particularly overseas. In the UK, ahead of building their very own cyber unit, they did a lot of research on the effectiveness of, of teams. And what they found is if you bring a group of people from different walks of life with different skill sets, but not necessarily the experience or the academic background, uh, organizations can solve solutions that their very experts weren't able to solve. So in essence, academics are scratching their heads to solve 
problems where a group of people who have no experience in those areas can solve and think a little bit outside the box. The way I look at it is the way the British solved the Enigma machine back in the 1940s. They took people from diverse background. Uh, one particular individual was neurodiverse. In those days, it was really, really innovative to hire someone that was not hired based on their experience or specific academic credentials. And that's how they ended up solving a major problem that some would argue gave them the answer to, to winning the war to ultimately win World War II. So I think that applies today. And our solution of providing talent that's identified based on their potential provides a very, very valuable proposition to defense and government. Okay. So you've talked a few times, especially just now, about potential over-experience, potentially also potential and experience going together as well. So we have an issue with obtaining skilled resources here in Australia. And I believe around the world at the moment, everyone's having some difficulties how do we best address this? Is it, is it just purely on potential, but you need to have some skills, you need to have some training, don't you? It's, how, how do we address that access to the skilled resources that we need? I don't think we have a skills short, shortage at all. Um, I think what we have is a population that increasingly is, is aging uh, to start with. Underemployment is growing. So yes, unemployment is low, but underemployment is growing year on year. And that's a trend that's that's been going for the last 20 years. And I think if you were to look at if we can tap on underemployment and identify talent and skills within those those groups of people, you don't have a skill shortage. And it's about finding the solution that'll tap on that talent, that'll provide the answer that I would say most of the Western world has at the moment. So how do you go about finding and tapping into those underemployed people, the people with the potential and skills, et cetera, the talent who are perhaps only working one day a week because they can't get anything else. So how, how do you find them? Yeah. So we, we, we've developed our own solution internally. We break down our solution into four parts. The first part is what we call the discover part. And that's where we go and identify individuals based on their potential. The way we achieve that is through testing. So we have various tests that we apply to individuals, uh, including aptitude, but not only skills, aptitude, learning preferences, and personality profiles. And then we use that data and use it to form an AI database that provides us the best ways of building communities of employees that'll achieve the outcomes or the project outcomes or the organizational outcomes that are the best, essentially. And I think if you were to look at it as four steps is what we, what, what we break it down to. Firstly, it's the discover, which is the testing part that I spoke of. So identify the talent. Then it's train. So that's where we provide specific training. We tend to specialize in cybersecurity, but there's other areas as well that we specialize in. We tend to specialize in areas that are high in demand. Then it's deploy. So our ultimate clients will have the ability to view the talent and view the training they've achieved and acquire them to bring them into their workforce. And then the last step is what we call the grow step, where we'll, we'll go the extra way and apply our testing 
throughout the organization of our clients so that we can identify the best talent that fits in the best place within a specific group or organization. And having done this model over seven years, we've improved ourselves on ourselves. So it's, it, our material is all our own material. Our testing is our own. Our training is our own. It's all built in-house. And the success we've worked with our client has also been our own. And I would say that's one thing that seven years, having worked with defense industry and grown a business across three countries successfully, has given us. And the value of that particular area is tremendous for our clients and also the candidates that partake in, in our, our process. So if you're someone who is keen to potentially work through with you with me, how would they go about contacting you to undertake the testing? Firstly, there are no restrictions as to who we accept onto our platform. Anybody that wants to, to have a go at it definitely can, and there's no cost associated to it. They can go through either our website. Uh, there's various forums that we participate in. We use social media extensively, platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, and the likes of Instagram. All of these uh, were on there. So, so we should be visible to anybody that's actually looking to find employment. We also participate in various foundations and support various groups across the globe, particularly neurodiverse groups that support autistic uh, individuals, individuals with post-traumatic stress disorder, and, and the list goes on. Anybody essentially who's underemployed, who would consider, be considered underemployed, becomes um, an ideal candidate for our platform. Okay. And if from the other side, if you're looking to engage with, with you, with me to get some talent and so on, is there a, a way to reach out as an employer, a company that's looking for talent? Yes, definitely. So, so we're, we're on social media again. We're on LinkedIn, uh, where companies tend to, to look for talent. We're, we partner with Seek, uh, who's also a great platform here in Australia. Where, where companies would see us. But we also participate in, in significant industry groups where we present ourselves, conventions, conferences, where we present our company, our solution to organizations that are on the lookout for talent. And of course, our website is visible. Well, Mark, this has been a great chat. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Yeah, look, I'd like to extend a final appreciation for being here today. It's great to have the opportunity to talk on behalf of the organization. We've managed to, to build a very successful, you were mentioning earlier, there's not a lot of medium-sized organizations that service defense. We're actually one of them. We have in sales, 35 million in annual revenue across three jurisdictions. We provide solutions to defense in those three jurisdictions, but also industry. So I think it's it's a good time for us as an organization to prove the concept and to continue uh, evolving as an organization and actually improving the solution we provide. And your invitation here today offers us that. Uh, if there's any opportunity to reach out to me, uh, I'd welcome. And please, if you can provide my details, grants to the forum, I'd look forward to engaging with anyone who would be interested in, in working with our organization for their solutions. Well, we'll make sure that your contact details are in the show notes so people can find them associated with this episode. But for now, Mark Fortunio, Chief Financial Officer at With You With Me, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Ryan. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening once again. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, you can follow this podcast in your favorite podcatcher to ensure you get every episode as they're released. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative episode. 
The ADM podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yaffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yaffa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.